What's up? This is a special edition of Marsha's Plate where we review the show Pose on FX. All right? Uh, what Diana say? Don't call the doctor. Don't call the mama. Don't call the preacher. I don't need it. Hey. Welcome back to Marsha's Plate. Make sure if you join the conversation, you hashtag Marsha's Plate and pose FX. Um, we're going to cover a lot of topics. This episode was really deep, um, heartfelt. So if you hear us talking about anything and you have something to add, make sure you hashtag us. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We are under... M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. That's M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. Hashtag us. We don't care if you agree or disagree. We just want to hear your opinion. So, you know, come join the conversation. So, what's up? We're going to jump right into the episode. So, this episode starts off at the ball. The very first category is actually my favorite category in the ball scene. It is the bizarre category. Bizarre category is futuristic. It is um, it's avant-garde. It is um, creative. It it is over the top. It is it just gives the, the, those artists in the community to really just go above and beyond and take an effect to the next level and I'm because I am an artist at heart I just love to see people just creativity just flow and be bigger than life and Bizarre Bizarre gives those people a chance to really go above and beyond in their creativity. And I love this particular category. I love, 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 love it. So it starts off with the bizarre category. While the ball is going on, Blanca is walking around collecting tips to um, benefit the AIDS cabaret, collecting tickets or whatever. Um, And... Praytel is visibly looking hot as fuck and very, um, you know, like under the weather. He's not looking good. He's getting dizzy. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the his commentating the ball, he falls out and falls to the ground. So, Blanca, of course, runs over to him and the ambulance come and takes him to the hospital the scene switches to judy coming in with a new set of equipment because apparently um the first set of equipment she assumed were the reasons why his when she was trying to take his blood pressure he he was getting bruised very easily and so she she switched the machines but apparently that wasn't the case the doctor comes in and explains to them that 
because of what's going ever going on with his internal bleeding, um, whatever's going on with his body on this these um, AZT medications, it is happening too fast. So what he knows is because this whatever this this problem is happening with his platelets and all this this onset of this new problem, he knows because it's happening so fast that it's not the um, it's not the AIDS that's happening. It's not the HIV that's happening. Um, it's not the HIV that's doing this because HIV is, is a slower process. It's a slower process. So he knows that something's going on that's going fast and being that the medication is, um, the newest thing that you're trying out, the medication must be doing it. So we got to stop this medication. Remember we talked about AZT and AZT can be toxic. It can have some negative effects. It works for some people, but some people it just does not work for. So got to find other ways. Um, and that's basically what's happening. Of course, Blanca being Praytel's friend, longtime friend, and Judy, of course, being Praytel's friend, they are trying to console him and pray tell being who he is he's like yo miss me with that bullshit (laughs) yo miss me with that motherfucking bullshit stop treating me like a motherfucking kid let me go off let me be mad let me be frustrated let my feelings out let me just fucking vent shit (laughs) so blanca of course is um you know, this is her friend. She sees like, oh my God, she's somebody, she's she's going through coming to grips with her own mortality and here goes her friend that's giving her a death scare. So she is sitting next to his bedside like, oh my God, this is, you know, oh my God, the medicine that I um, pushed him to take, you know, just a couple of episodes, they were drinking, not drink, um, drinking water and cheering um, pills together like okay let's take this medicine let's get on this journey of taking care of ourselves and blah 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 so we done sat and had this intervention with you at the cafeteria we just had this whole little thing and i'm and i done convinced you to take this medication now all of now the same medication that i convinced you to take could be the thing to take you on out of here what how guilty would that make her feel so that's what you kind of see in that moment with um Blanca in the yellow at um at at Praytel's bedside and I actually think this little moment of um Blanca's emotionality was a really it looked you know like it was it was a moment where I felt like her acting chops were shining and you know when she said sorry it felt like she was really feeling that emotion from the inside so I really enjoyed that particular small little moment in there in um that particular scene at the bedside. And then you got Praytel. Praytel is having a moment. He is in the middle of, you know, taking the chance on taking this medicine. 
And then here I go. I told you, motherfuckers, I didn't want to take. I wanted to take the holistic approach. And you can convince me to take this mess because Blanca, Blanca is doing fucking good on hers. Her T, her T cell count done went up. She's, you know, her results is great on this medicine. And then y'all to convince me to take this medicine that I didn't want to take. And then here it goes, fucking me up. And so not only am I'm coming to grips with the fucking fact that this thing is in my body that is slowly wearing me out. And then you give me this medicine that's making it worse. It's supposed to make me better. And so now I'm sitting in this, in this fucking hospital bed, wore out over it, body looking bad, got all these bruises all over me. And you know, I don't know if I'm about to kick the bucket. I don't know if I'm about to fucking, um, you know, I don't know what's about to happen, but I know that I done did everything right. Quote unquote. And, um, you know, I'm doing, I'm taking my meds. I'm doing what the fuck you told me to do. And here I am in a worse situation. What the fuck? So, you know, he had a right to be frustrated. He had a right to um, be mad and, um, and vent. And so that's what he did. He was going off on people and was like, get the fuck out. Leave me alone. <laughs> so, you know, it was a powerful scene. It was a, you know, an understandable moment from both of their ends. The next scene is Frederica, the landlord, racist, <laughs> homophobic, transphobic, everything phobic, <laughs> um, from hell. Frederica, she comes in and she is talking to Blanca like, you got these fucking signs on your door. Talk about some AIDS fucking shit, bitch. You supposed to be trying to make money. You don't need to be putting these fucking AIDS flyers up, bitch. What the fuck? <laughs> like, yo, you you sitting here trying to make coins. And you know, folks out here scared of this AIDS shit. And then you come in. They come and see that you a trans, honey. You going to run all the people out. So she telling her, take this shit down. Leave it the fuck alone. And... You know, Blanca is like, bitch, you know, we're all affected by this. And, you know, you know, this is my people, my community. And I'm trying to do I'm trying to do my part or whatever. And so Frederica was like, hmm, well, you know what? You're right. It affected me too. my hairdresser um, died. And she started giving this little story about her hairdressing. The dresser died. She called them like pillow biters and shit. Like she's just using all the wrong homophobic language <laughs> and she was like you know i had to go find a new hairdresser because my hairdresser died bitch what <laughs> the ace kills my hairdresser girl if you don't go sit your ass down so she gets to saying she said you know what but you know i'll come to your little event and i'll sing a song and i since I, i'm the bitch with the coins i'll come and donate but she well, uh, she only donated twenty dollars. <laughs> but anyway, so she says I'll come and donate, and I actually sing a song and support you at your little venue. All right. So Blanca was like, okay. <laughs> so the scene cuts back to Pratel being in the hospital. So he is in the hospital and he sees that he has a roommate. And so the roommate is coughing and he asked the roommate, um, Hey, do, do I know you? 
Um, and the dude was like, no, I don't think you know me. And Pray Tell was like, well, do you ever come to the balls? <laughs> and the dude was like, um, no, I would never you know, come to no balls. That's not my thing. <laughs> and Pray Tell was like, you know, I thought I knew all the queens, honey. I, I You know, <laughs> what's up? And old boy was like, um, no, I'm a grown ass man, educated, <laughs> college educated man. I am not a queen at all. <laughs> so you can tell he was rather annoyed by um, Pray Tell and his language and his everything kind of about him. And you can kind of tell there is some history. Um, and this really points out the classism that these two characters represent. Um the ball kids were the lower echelon of the gay community. There is an upper echelon of the gay community as well, where folks are academic, folks may have a nice job, folks may be able to blend. They don't, the, the mass, this is one of the motherfuckers that would be the mass for mass niggas. Although mass for mass ain't never saved nobody, liberated nobody, ain't did shit for nobody. Because <laughs> if you notice, it's trans and femme and lesbians that really, especially the butch ones, that's been really out here <laughs> making the moves and pushing the envelopes and um, pushing the culture forward. It was never the ones that blended and went um, stealth and and didn't fight for nothing and didn't um, and were masculine enough to blend in with society. They just kind of did what they did. They blended in with the society. <laughs> That's what that was their strategy, their selfish strategy. Not saying that. Um, you know, that's not your choice to make, but we I really want to emphasize how it is the people who did not blend. It was the people who um did not, could not, would not blend that pushed the culture forward that these mass for mass motherfuckers are benefiting from. Okay? These um they can be free and hold hands with their mask for mask lovers because the femme folks is the one who pushed the envelope for them to be safe and stuff like that. When you think about really everything, that's just that you benefit from all the strides that we've made. Uh, being able to marry your spouse. People don't talk about um, the contribution of you know the people who push the envelope when we talk about lucy anderson hicks when we talk about that black trans woman who was in the courts fighting for her marriage to be valid <laughs> when we talk about um christy littleton in texas fighting for her marriage to be valid lucy anderson hicks was back in the 20s and 30s so when we talk about um, pushing the envelope forward for marriage equality, we forget that there were people prior to it passing, prior who weren't just the typical gay couple who were making strides in fighting for the right of people to have marriage equality. And um, we kind of ignore and continue to marginalize 
people who do not blend in society in the in in and hide in that kind of privilege to be able to blend um money from queer walk doing her um mental moment recently on the show queer walk the podcast if you don't listen to queer walk the podcast check them out um she laid out recently on um i'll put the episode in the bottom she laid out the history of even how homosexuality was taken out of the American Psychiatric Association's uh, fucking Bible, the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for um, uh, Mental Disorders. This is the Bible. This is how they diagnose people. This is what they use to tell people that they are crazy. And it was taken, homosexuality was taken out of it in 1973. The reason why it was taken out of the books is because folks went and stormed the board meeting. How to take it, to, to, to force them to take it out of the books and make, that that was telling people that we were crazy, and so the blending people was not doing it. <laughs> it was the femme and the drag queens apparently that was doing this kind of work that was pushing the culture forward, pushing them out of the dark ages. It was not the people who were blending. It was not the people who were, um, and what. And I do want to, it does give, especially a show like Pose that um, is revolved around the ball scene, we have to start having conversations about how the ball scene is rooted in um, praising capitalism, praising um, whiteness, praising uh, a a level of um, eurocentric beauty like even like when we talk about how people um sell face when we're talking about how they sell face how they 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 kind of take their fingers and um in a way to kind of um y'all can't see me so i'm sitting here doing it in a way to kind of emphasize their structure of their nose um when you're selling faces you're interested the point of the nose and you know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a sin. It's, I think there's a, it, we've come far and it's, and it's grown, but there is a level of, um, rooted racism, rooted, um, um, capitalism, praising materialistic, um, gains and capitalistic gains and rooted in that the ball scene is rooted in because we were idolizing, um, what was the status quo? We were idolizing cis heteronormativity. We were idolizing um, exotic beauty. We were um, idolizing, um, and when you say exotic, and when I say exotic in this particular um, context, I'm talking about um, anti-black. Like, you know, it's like you're exotic because you look black with a little bit of mixed in you. You're exotic because you don't look like a regular black person. You're exotic because you don't have those regular African features. You're exotic because you look closer to whiteness. And that's what I mean by exotic. So we are praising exotic, praising um, um, anything that is cis heteronormative, whether it be the look, 
um, anything that is closer to white, all that kind of stuff. I think a lot of the categories, a lot of the uh, beauty standards, a lot of the, um, you know, I think bossing, we got to really critique, is bossing becoming antiquated? <laughs> is it is it growing with the times? Are we are we calling out anti black um, beauty standards? Are we are are we changing with the times? Are we getting more woke? Are we getting more, um, you know, are we getting more um, conscious of how we are playing um, into? upholding that particular culture are we are we calling ourselves to the mat are we or are we just kind of still going with the flow i don't know i don't think that we are but you know somebody who is deeper in the ball scene may may um maybe want to com- make some commentary about that but i just in the, i'm lightly in the ball scene i'm watching and being a spectator and and listening and seeing um some kind of change happen um but i'm not seeing that the kind of ch- the call to the mat that i would think i'm just seeing um you know i'm just seeing more of the same so this particular scene is really going back to pose is really showing the difference in um pray tale and this other character who, you know, like he's, you know, he was offended. He was um, offended that um, Praytel called him a queen because, you know, he has bought, he has bought into the idea that because I am educated and y'all are not, you are beneath me. Don't call me a queen. Um, you know, don't call me girlfriends. Don't call me girls. Don't call me she. Don't call me these things because I am a man. And I have done I have done all that I feel like I need to do to establish, even though I may be gay, I may be doing this gay stuff, but I'm still a man. I'm still bought into the ideas of typical masculinity and you and this queen and girly and bossing shit that's just going too far that's too gay and i'm not that gay gay (laughs) you that's you i'm not a queen so don't call me no queen and i'm and i'm and i'm masquerading it in almost like like I'm offended by you calling me a girl and queen and da 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 da. Like, and most people would be like, "Oh, you should be offended by that. You you know you should." Some people don't like to be called girl because they're men, but it's not rooted in um just identity politics. It's rooted in patriarchy and it's rooted in homophobia. It's not just oh this this is my identity and I want to be titled this. It's not rooted in that. It's the reason why they have a a disdain for being called queen and girl and she is because of internalized homophobia. Not just because they know, you know, because they know that I'm not this. We're not calling you this because we think you're a girl. We're not calling you this. This is just a kiki session, and you and you know we call queens just you know that's just a part of the. You know, just a part of the culture. We know that you're a man. We know that you are. But because you're homophobic, um, because you are, you're, you're, you're rooted in this patriarchal thing and you're trying to be more like the cisheads, your ass is 
not taking it lightly. You're taking it more heavy than what it is, taking it more offensively. And so, <laughs> so that's how it's manifested. It's rooted in patriarchy and homophobia, internalized homophobia. Nah. It's similar kind of to um, Oprah and Gail and Ava DuVernay um, not liking to be called auntie and not really getting that it's like a um, it's a term of endearment because they're too they they really just old and bougie and and disconnected from the culture so much that they can't they, they really can't get it. You feel what I'm saying? So they they just uh, it's kind of it's. They they make something that is light and um, endearing into something more serious than what it is because they too woke for their own good or trying to be woker than what they really are. That kind of it feels like that. Just just taking it, just put in homos, homophobia into it. That's more in like the respectability politic ageism realm. <laughs> um. So, yes, because, you know, I feel this particular episode was amazing in pointing out this um, that really quickly and I'm making it deeper than what it is (laughs) really quickly um, pointing out the differences between pray tell and this this bougie gay. Okay, this bougie gay that even in uh, in on his deathbed is holding on to that identity because that is his um, that is his script that is important to him. That is his, um, you know, that is that is what's giving him power to separate himself from um, from that particular kind of gayness, that particular level of gayness. Um yeah, so even even in the midst of you realizing that, you know, this disease is catching them all like fucking Pokemon. <laughs> you you still holding on to that bullshit ass narrative that separates you from Pray Tale. Sad, but I think that's a good point out. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts, I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck (laughs) so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not you can donate as low as a dollar a month it doesn't matter anything helps please do i have to play sarah mclaughlin and show you puppies like what do i have to do do i have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money <laughs> all righty anyway thank y'all and the patreon and paypal link is at the bottom back to the show so pray tell wakes up to a room full of flowers So he looks at the flowers and he picks the card out and the card is from Candy, (laughs) Miss Candy. And it is 
saying all kinds of shit about yeah come on girl i'm bored bring your ass on down here to um <laughs> bring your ass on here to um the 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 underworld baby because i'm bored and need you to come down then he reads the other letter and then he pulls the curtain back and baby there is miss candy looking chocolatey and beat <laughs> looking so gorgeous um um she has come back to be Hmm. She has come back to be some suicide demon, bitch. Basically, like she is, um, uh, pray tells conscience. Uh, like the little devil on his shoulder. Uh, I don't really like this. <laughs> I like, I love that we get to see Candy again. I love that we get to um, see Angelica Ross back on the screen. And she looks great. Um, but I don't like that Candy is coming back as this demon character. I don't like that. I don't like... Um, I, yeah, I don't like it. I also... Hmm. I was about to say I don't like that they told her tea. But her tea, her HIV tea, but this is like a this is one of Pray Tell's visions. So that don't mean that was Candy's true tea. You see what I'm saying? This is this is his vision and this could be him, his mind making because she was somebody that recently passed away because she was somebody who he tormented and he still might have guilt behind you know treating her some kind of way and then she passed away this is just how his conscience is manifesting um you know in dealing with this 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 disease and this this trauma of this disease and so he's his brain may be using her this is me stretching it reaching like hell <laughs> this is maybe me um maybe uh, not me um maybe pray tells way his brain's way of you know dealing with the stress of um not knowing what the future holds not knowing what um could happen and so who else to manifest to come and say hey honey we up here having a ball we up here getting our life you know but you know me diamond styles does not um, I don't know. I don't particularly like the candy coming back in this way, especially in a scene right before his stepfather comes back. The stepfather who molested him, the stepfather who, um, violated him when he was 12 years old. And if anybody has heard, of Billy Porter's, the actress who plays, the actor who plays, um, Pray Tell, that is Billy Porter's real narrative. His stepfather was molesting him. Um, and his mother didn't believe him and all that kind of stuff. So, oh, child, um, it's, I don't know. I don't like Candy coming back in this same capacity as, people who harmed him um and then soon after his latina close to white savior comes and be 
and be the, oh, come on, pray tell, you got to get up and sing us this song and let me be the motivation after we get Candy trying to get him to kill herself and then the gross stepdad trying to ask beg for forgiveness. And I don't know, I, this scene was, mm -mm, I don't really, I don't feel this shit. This is another one of them. Color is the moments, and I don't like to <laughs> look. <laughs> this is weird to me. I don't like this. This ain't. I'm not feeling this shit. I'm not. I wasn't feeling this in this moment, and it might be because I was in the colorism fields for candy a couple of weeks before. But yo, this seems weird to me. <laughs> you got the um. Uh, the savior coming in to get you up and get you into your drags to do a song. Uh, I don't know. Y'all tell me what y'all think. Um, so the next scene is pray tell singing in the cabaret, but this is not the real cabaret. This is his zombie cabaret bitch. Cause if you look at all that fucking makeup that, that the people had on while pray tell was singing bitch, some motherfuckers look like thriller extras. They makeup was late. They was gray. They was powdery. They were dusty and motherfucking teaked antique bitch. I was like, well, who did this makeup for this scene? I don't like this scene. This scene is late. This scene is rude. I did not. I did not appreciate the makeup for this scene. They look like thriller extras and I did not like it. Um, Pray Tell is singing um, one of Judy Garland's classics, The Man That I Got That I, I Let Get Away, The Man That Got Away, yes, by Judy Garland. Um, this is one of the moments where Julie Garland has creeped in as, you know, as you know, she's a white gay icon, honey, so I got to give her that. She ain't really, I don't know. I don't know how the New Yorker girls felt about uh, Judy in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. But Julie, Judy, baby, ain't never been no <laughs> gay icon for <laughs> people in my culture and where I'm from, where I grew up. Judy Garland was not no motherfucking icon. She was the icon because we would see her on um, Wizard of Oz, girl. <laughs> but she wasn't no, no icon status, girl. Gay icon, girl, what? She was the... Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. She was the honey. Somewhere over the rainbow, lady. <laughs> She wasn't no gay icon for my particular culture. You didn't her and and um Barbara Streisand, honey, that was not the D <laughs> where I'm from. Now, if that's what the black New York New Yorker East Coast gays was doing, I'm not a New Yorker. I'm not an East Coast gay, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't and I didn't live in the era of the eighties and the nineties, but you know, um, when I was coming up in the 90s, <laughs> um, Judy Garland wasn't that girl. <laughs> Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand, Barbara Streisand was not the gay icons that I have grown up to learn was 
whiteness, <laughs> gay whiteness. <laughs> so, but this is one of her songs. This is one of her, um, you know, one of her her classic hits that Billy Porter was singing. Now, there is a rumor about Judy Garland and Stonewall. Totally face, <laughs> totally fake and false. Totally false, but the reason was is because of the timing. So in June, on June 22nd, 1969, we know the Stonewall happened on June 28th, 1969. But on June 22nd, um, Judy Garland was found dead at 47 um, of an, quote unquote, accidental overdose. Um, And so it is believed that one of the reasons why um, the Stonewall Rebellion um, happened was because they were hysterical (laughs) about Judy Garland's death and it made everybody mad and um, and they went off on the cops because the cops was harassing them while they were mourning Judy Garland. Um, no. (laughs) If you don't get the fuck up out of here, Judy Garland was not that girl, so y'all need to stop playing. (laughs) Y'all need to stop motherfucking playing. So that is a myth that one of the reasons why Stonewall got popped off is because of Judy Garland. Myth and a lie. Live from the pits of hell, live from the places that Candy came from to talk, <laughs> to pray tell, and to commit suicide. Lies from the pits of hell. And I thank you. So the next scene is Blanca is at the raggedy apartment. With the kids acting up in the um in the back room, and you know, like any black mother, she come in there. If y'all don't shut the fuck up, <laughs> if y'all don't keep it motherfucking down, so she is stressed out because of Praytel's health, and she is stressed out because she is trying to organize this um this um AIDS cabaret. By herself, usually Praytel does it, um, but she's like, shit, I, this is a lot of fucking work. Motherfuckers ain't calling me back. You know, this really points out that this is not everybody's skill set to do this type of work. <laughs> so she comes into the um, comes into the room and starts going off on them um, because they're making too much damn noise because they are actually celebrating Angel getting a contract, another contract, another modeling gig. My prediction is that being that I know that Janet Mock is friends with Tracy Africa Norman, I am willing to bet that Janet Mock is going to tell, because they have been telling some real stories, um, and being that she is one of the writers on the show, they are going to tell 
how Tracy Africa fell from her, um, I, I hope they are, how she fell from kind of grace when her tea was spilled. There was an incident with um, Susan Taylor. Y'all know Susan Taylor. If you are black, you have seen her multiple times on your mother's or grandmother's counter with um, Essence magazine. <laughs> she is a lady who has the gap in her mouth with the braids, the cornrows going to her back. Those was her signature style. She was the editor-in-chief of Essence magazine. Um, Susan Taylor, Susan L. Taylor is rumored to be one of the people to shut down a photo shoot for Essence that Tracy was scheduled, hired and scheduled to do during the actual photo shoot once her tea was spilt. So hopefully they will tell the story of Tracy Africa and that situation with Essence. Um, I hope so. That is an epic story and legendary story. And since they have access to Tracy, I hope they tell it. So Blanca and Angel have this conversation about, um, you know, just about Blanca having a little bit of guilt that Praytel is sick. And if he dies, she's going to be so guilty because she's the one that convinced him to take the medicine. And Angel is like being a good daughter and saying, yo, look, you got so much on your plate. Let me help you. Let's try to organize this. We can get this shit together. Um, this is not your fault. Pray tell is going to be pray tell. Um, you were doing what what you what you thought was best, and can't nobody force pray tell to do shit. So stop trying to beat yourself up for it. And they have a little moment. The scene switches to um, the cabaret. So Blanca is um, has planned the cabaret. She is going up to. Um, she well, she's not understanding it is why I pray tell since he's back. You know, he's not fully recovered, but he can um, enjoy the cabaret. Why he is not out of his room enjoying the cabaret? So she comes in the room and he's still mad and huffing and puffing. So they have a cute, cute moment that um, solidifies their friendship. She's like, girl. Get y'all shit together. She reads him a little bit. Yo, you knew that I was trying to do this to help you. Um, so you ain't got no reason to be the fucking mad. I, you know, the medicine could help. It could not help. We knew this from the jump. So motherfucker, that ain't my fault. I thought it was going to help, girl. <laughs> so you ain't about to sit here and make me feel guilty you got me fucked up and bitch get your funky ass up and wash up and put some smell good so you're not smelling uh, like a fucking billy goat <laughs> get up and get out here and stop don't ruin it for the rest of us get out here and listen to what we planned and i thank you get up bitch <laughs> and so they you know they have their little moment or whatever and um of course, he comes out and he, um, of course, she leaves and he ends up coming out to the situation. Judy, um, the nurse, she comes out. She got this cute green dress on and she is singing um, a Prince and the Revolution song called Sometimes It Rains in April. 
that was a classic Prince song. She um she's backed up by Damon, Ricky, and Lulu. They're her background singers. I thought that was super cute. Then Frederica comes in and she makes her She's on the mic talking about how she want to be Elizabeth Taylor. And she's given all this, you know, this history of herself. Um, long drawn out <laughs> introduction. And then she sings um, I'm Still Here by Stephen um, Southam. And, you know, of course, Frederica is played by um, the Tony Award winning Patty um, Lapone. And, you know, she sings the song. She sings the song like a like a the great actress that she is. But after she sings her song and she gives her little twenty dollars in donations, she goes out to the hallway and we realize that she is actually only setting Blanca up. Frederica is fucking joanne the scammer <laughs> she is setting her up she's basically killing time giving time um for her son to go and take all of blanca's shit out of her salon board up the location and she basically the previous conversation that they had once she seen that she had she had those aids flyers up for the aids cabaret she basically used that opportunity to f- get um Blanca out of her out of her establishment. Then it goes to Electra singing. Womp womp. Electra should not sing. Everybody knows it. <laughs> Lulu was holding her ears. Electra sit down. You are beat. You are meant to sit there and be pretty. <laughs> that is it. Not sing. <laughs> So then it's time for Blanca to sing her song before she introduces, before she starts to sing, she starts to talk about how she um, loves to give back to her community. And she, um, she does HIV work, not only to give back to her community, but also for herself. And she decides in that moment to spill her tea and be honest about being HIV positive. This is a really big moment. I don't want to gloss over it, but that that because of the stigma around HIV and AIDS, it is a big deal for you to come out and tell people um, that you are living with this disease, particularly in this era that they are living in. It's it's a big deal now. But in this particular era, where there was way less understanding, even within the community, let alone outside the community, there were there was way less understanding. So telling your tea openly and publicly at this time was a was a big deal. And so her telling her tea was pretty powerful just on a. um just on, like I said, I feel like Pose is really ch- pushing the culture forward. So somebody who, like she said, I want you to see what this looks like. It doesn't just look like sickness and um, bed sores and sores and honey zombie makeup. It, it doesn't look like this. It, it Sometimes it could look healthy. Sometimes um, 
You won't even know. It could look like me. It could look like you. And I thought it was a powerful moment that Pose um, chose to let Blanca spill her own beans. So after she tells her tea, she starts to sing um, Stevie Wonder, Love in Need of Love today by um, from the album's song in the key of life that is stevie wonder's quintessential albums this is his um career defining album frederica needing more time to be able to get um blanca shit out of the house because when she called her son he was like shit i need more time frederica decide to have a bonding moment with blanca and say oh well let me take you out to eat and so Blanca takers up takes her up on the offer, totally oblivious to the setup that is actually going on. But the next day when she's headed to work, she takes her ass to the job and it is boarded and locked up. Chanel's cha-chink. And she is over it and she's like, you this fucking bitch. <laughs> I don't know. I look. I, I would be shitty. I would want to twirl. I would be fire hot and wanting to fight. <laughs> so, but, you know, that's not Blanca's, uh, that's not Blanca's spirit. They organize a protest. Um, Blanca thinking that it's just going to be a little bit of, a little, just her family doing the thing. But clearly, um, Praetel got her back and everybody else got her back. So, um he called the girls to come help her protest. So they are outside of um, Blanca Salon protesting. The theme of this month has really been this month in real life and <laughs> and on polls has been a lot. Like, you got to organize. Organizing has changed some fucking things. Understand that. Organizing changes things. Do not think protesting organizing does nothing. It does something. It may be small. Sometimes it may be big. You just never know what the fruits of your organizing labor is going to be. Go ahead and organize if you need to, darling. Do not be scared. So they were saying Frederica is a crook. <laughs> and even um, um, Electra brought her motherfucking ass out to the protest. Uh, come on now, Electra. Get on with the program. Yes. These marches and protests ain't going to march and protest themselves, <laughs> as Nikita was saying. So the scene flips back to Praetel on his um, in his bedroom and Candy pops up again. And I think I like, I told you I don't like the scene with Candy being this, um, this, this suicide pushing, um, vision. Um, I don't like it, but there is a level of realism, realism to that sentiment that they are trying to portray because, you know, when you're dealing with something that's as heavy as, um, at this time, as heavy as HIV and AIDS, as heavy, heavy as a disease, as heavy as um, a terminal disease, as heavy as just life situations that are just too heavy for you, 
there is always for some a seduction of ending it all. That particular um, option can be heavy, heavy, heavy on some more than others. Um, And that suicide narrative, that suicide possibility, um, that suicide option is always just kind of looming and creeping and like depression, like um, those feelings could just come up because that's what Candy said. She said, I'm going to always be there. I'm going to always be uh, in your darkest hour late at night when you feel it. I'm always have this invitation for you, this invitation this this seduction to just end it all and come with me and you know for some of us that is that is the truth it's always there um so i if that's something that you struggle with there are numbers that you can call um i'll have some links in the bottom for that that really was a powerful scene because Praytel said, I still got fight in me. And if you're going through that particular feeling, just know that you still got fight in you, um, just like Praytel does. Um, and you're valuable. You're worth something in the world. And your community loves you. This show is about how community of the past has really built something for the future for us. And some of the things that I share about our history is to really let you know that we've been here, we've been here fighting and you are a part of that fight. So I hope you still have some fight in you. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Every little thing's going to be all right.